Good morning, everybody. How's everybody feeling? How about my man over here uh, that pray? Well, yeah, Dish is good too, but you ever seen the commercial that talks about just being okay? That's the way I feel about Dish. But the guy before him that prayed, man, that's, that's my heir apparent right there. Y'all didn't know, but that's the heir apparent. Love that guy. Um, well, it's good to be here uh, with you all. Um, I was here this morning uh, setting up with the, with the setup crew and the worship team, and uh, I started telling this story, and I was like, oh, you know what? I got to tell that this morning. I was like, that, 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 that just fits. That's such, a, that's such an accurate depiction. We were talking about, uh, we were talking about uh, this past October, uh, I had the opportunity to, um, to officiate uh, J.D. and Juliana's wedding. It was dope. Um, it was dope. Uh, despite the fact that it was all the way in Rochester, New York. Uh, any of you guys ever been to Rochester, New York? Yeah, it's like okay. Like it's okay. Like Rochester's okay. Um, but if you've ever like driven from Canton to Rochester, the, the, the uh, majority of your drive is like along lake stuff. And so whenever, you know, like weather and stuff, it's bad. It gets, it, it gets really crazy. Now, this was in October. Fortunately, it wasn't in, what month is this? January. So, like, it wasn't, like, crazy lake effect snow or whatever. Um, but it was really, really rainy and really, really foggy, like, the whole time. Um, we're driving the way back from Rochester to Canton. And we decide, you know, we got the girls with us. It's me, uh, Rachel, my in-laws, and, and, and the girls. And, and we're on our way back. We decided to stop at Niagara Falls. Um, I'd never been. So that was my first time. I heard to go to the Canadian side, not the American side. But we went to the American side, and it was cool. Like, yeah, it's cool. Like, a lot of water and stuff. And so we're driving back, and uh, on the way back, girls fall asleep. Pretty sure Rachel and my mother-in-law fall asleep. My father-in-law's driving because he wouldn't let me. And, and we're awake. And I told him, I'm like, yo, you know it's on the way home. He's like, what? I was like, there's a Krispy Kreme in Erie. Because those of you that were at Epic 1 and 3, Epic 1 and 3 was at Erie. And there's a Krispy Kreme right across from where we were at in Erie. I'm like, yo, there's like a Walmart, a Chick-fil-A. There's all this stuff. But most importantly, there's a Krispy Kreme. We should stop while they're asleep. We should stop at Krispy Kreme. He's like, all right, yeah, we should do that. We should do that. So we're driving with the motivation of getting to Krispy Kreme. In Erie, Pennsylvania. But you can't see five feet in front of you. Any normal logic would tell you, just go home, man. Like, just go home. But I really was like, my heart was set. Because the closest Krispy Kreme to us is in Akron. And I just don't make it up there as much as I would like to. So I can't not just drive right past it and stop. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just can't. So we get to the exit. I'm like, all right, this is the exit. Go right here. He's like, all right, bet. So, so, so we're driving off the exit, and we get down to the, to the end of the exit ramp, and there's a traffic light, and you cannot see anything at all. And I'm like, go left. It's like, okay. So he turns left, and he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. There is nothing out here because I'm not kidding you. You can't see a thing. You can't see Walmart. You can't see Quaker Steak. You can't see Home Depot. You can't see anything. And I'm like, I am telling you, there's a Krispy Kreme. And he's like, okay. 
And so we're still driving, and he's, he's like, seriously, we can't see anything. And I'm like, no, 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 turn right, right here. He's like, there's no road. I'm like, turn right, right here. And right when I said it, bam, there it is. Like Jesus parted the clouds, there it was. And so we turn right, but it was like up the hill a little bit. You still couldn't see anything. And I'm like, I feel like it's like right here. He's like, there's nothing here. I'm like, no, it's right here. And again, bam, there it was, hot, fresh, Krispy Kreme, the big red sign. I was like, and we're here. We pull in the parking lot, and he looks at me. He's like, I don't know if I should be impressed or concerned. I was like, both. But you know what? We're here. Isn't it funny how when we really, really want something, when our heart is like dead set on something, we can manage to navigate through anything to get to it. Isn't that funny? I promise you if we were driving down 90 and he would have said to me, you know what, there's a, there's a flower shop on the way. I'd be like, uh-uh, the fog, it's, it ain't there. Just keep going. But the fact that it was a Krispy Kreme, that changed everything. I promise, if you'd have said almost anything else, I'd have said, nope, can't see it, just keep driving. When we trust God, when we trust what God said will be there, to be there, when we trust and live expecting provision, God is always faithful to get us to where we need to go. When we trust that what God said is over there is over there, when we trust that there will be provision along the way amidst the storm, God will always get us and be faithful to go where we need to go. Our series right now is called A Church for the Hungry. I believe it's the prophetic word for our year. I believe that Third Street is called to be a church for the hungry, whether that be physically, whether that be spiritually. However, I believe we are to be a church for the hungry. So in this series, what I want to do is I want to just simply talk about who Jesus is, who we know Jesus to be, who we see him be. And then as a result, who we are going to be. Last week, we started our time in John chapter 6, where Jesus took a boy's couple loaves and a few fish and fed thousands of people with it. Teaching us, A, that God is faithful to feed all who come to him hungry. And B, that when we offer what little we have... That boy didn't have nothing else, and nobody else was stepping up. When we offer what little we have, God is always faithful to do something big. So this week, we pick up our story. Again, in John chapter 6, if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn there. It goes in the New Testament. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You'll go to the Gospel of John. We'll go to the sixth chapter. It's big number six. We're going to begin our time In verse 16. Here we go. Let's read the first three verses. It goes like this. That evening, so after this miracle, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. 
But as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed across the lake toward Capernaum. Soon a gale swept down upon them and the, sw- and the sea grew very rough. Now we're going to go ahead and stop right there for a moment. So this is that part in John chapter 6 where we'll be for the next several weeks. This is that part in John chapter 6 that you're just kind of like, what does this have to do with anything else? Before this, Jesus, miracle, feeds 5,000. After this, miracle, Jesus talks about bread and sustenance and we'll get all that. But this is the part that you're like, how does this fit? So after Jesus does this incredible thing, he tells his disciples, he's like, look, y'all go get on the boat, sail across the sea, I'll, I'll, I'll meet up with you. I'll catch up with you. Keeps it vague. I got you. Don't worry about me. I got my own transportation. You know, God and stuff. So you just go ahead Go on on the boat. They go down to the dock. And I'm just imagining in my head this conversation, right? You ever, like, have something crazy happen to you? And then the, personal, the, the person responsible for that crazy thing happening, that event that you're going to remember forever, that person leaves the room. And instantly you look at your friends like, bro, what did he just do? I just imagine this conversation being like that. On the way down to the docks, Jesus is like, all right, I'll catch up with you. All right, Jesus, cool, yeah, yeah, we'll see you on the other side. All right, yeah, what the heck? This man, no, 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 no. Did you see what I saw? This, uh, I'm saying it was like a little boy, and it was like this little bit of food, and then all of a sudden, it was like a lot of people and a lot of food. And then I swear to you, bro, no, 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 listen to me. Listen to me. From my perspective, bro, I'm telling you, I saw his fingers turn into bread. I swear. Call me crazy, but I swear I saw it. I swear I did. That man's crazy. Then he wants to talk about, hey, hey, go get the left leftovers. There was leftovers. Bro, did you get the leftovers? Yeah, I got them. Bet. That's going to be helpful on the boat. This is the conversation I imagine they're having. They get to the docks. They're like, this is our boat. Where's Jesus at? He said he'd catch up with us. Yeah, but he ain't here. All right, yeah, we'll wait a little bit. We'll wait, we'll wait, we'll wait, we'll wait. Then darkness comes, and they're like, I mean, if we don't go, like, right now, it's going to get crazy out here. We should, probably just, we should probably just go, right? And for whatever reason, they finally decide to get on the boat and get out on the sea. And as they're out there on the sea, a storm comes, and the water gets rough. And whether they were scared or not, it's irrelevant. Right? There's enough fishermen on that boat that they've seen some stuff. They're ready to handle whatever comes their way. Do you ever think you hear from God? Or you think you know what you need to do next? But you just want to be more sure because the journey ahead might be a little uncomfortable? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you ever have something where, like, I feel like I need to do this. I feel like God told me to go ahead and get on the boat and go across. But, like, I really just need to be sure, sure. Because if I go on this boat without him and it starts to rain, I'm going to be mad. I need to be sure, sure. And so sometimes we're standing at a shore in our life. 
We're standing on a dock and we're looking across the sea at where we know we need to go. We're looking at the clouds in the sky getting ready to just open up and just drop down on us. And we're like, ah, I just need to be sure. I just need to be positive. Like, did he really say get in this boat? And we justify it. We say things like, we're waiting on God to show up. I'm just waiting on God to show up. I'm just waiting on God to show up. I'm just waiting for God to move. No, no, no. I'm going to sit right here with my feet in the water until I feel God push me in. That'll be my sign. I'm waiting for a sign. I'm waiting. But in this story, where is Jesus? When we keep reading, what we're going to find out is Jesus is already ahead of him. God is outside of time. He already knows. He knows what's coming next. He's on the other side of it already. He's standing with you. He's in the middle of it, and he's on the other side. We don't wait on God. God is outside of time. We don't wait for God to show up. God is already here, and God is waiting on us. You don't wait on God. Verse 19. They, the disciples, had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. And they were terrified. But he called out to them, don't be afraid, I'm here. So they're out there. The disciples finally get out there. They finally get up after it. And, of course, things start to get a little dicey. They get a little rocky. The sea gets a little rough. It's raining a little hard. The wind and the sails, and they're pulling strings, and they're doing all this stuff. They're out there about three or four miles. Some some will tell you that means they were in the middle of the sea. Some will tell you because of the weather, they probably wandered for a while, so God only knows where they were. But the point is they were in the storm. They were in the storm. And because it was dark and stormy, they're trying to scramble and figure out a way out. And then suddenly, in the middle of doing all, I mean, put yourself in this position. In the middle of rocking this boat, trying to keep it afloat, you just see something walking on water. I don't know about you. I don't know your skill level when it comes to swimming. Mine's not very good, but I promise you that's the first thought that's crossing my mind. If I'm in the middle of the storm and I see something coming towards me that I can't identify, I promise you I'm up out that boat quick. I'm gone. But they realize that this thing coming towards them on the water is Jesus. And is Jesus, am I tripping? Is there some sort of like, am I seeing this right? Yo, yo, Thomas, do you see this too? Peter, where are you at? You never say nothing. Do you see this too? Is that Jesus walking on water? Man, this sea's got me messed up. I'm scared. I'm terrified. 
did this man we started following turn out to be, I don't even know what kind of, and then he calls out to him, hey, chill out, man. It's me. It's me. I'm here. Now let me draw us back to something we talked about last week real quick. If you scroll up to verse 4, it says parenthetically that this was around the time of Passover, which means what is on most people's mind at this time, the time of the year, just like Christmas was on everybody's mind a month ago, Passover is on everybody's mind at this point in time. And so what they're thinking about, what they're remembering from Passover is how God delivered them from Egypt through the prophet Moses. Now let me ask you all something. Those of you who have seen the Prince of Egypt or read your Bible, what's like the most famous part of that whole deliverance? Yeah, parting of the Red Sea. So they're out here on the water, Passover time, around the time up years ago that God parted the sea. And what they see is a man who claims to be God not parting the sea and walking on solid ground, but going one step further. He's going to go ahead and one-up my man Moses, and he's going to say, I'm going to walk on the sea. Y'all might think you've seen something up to this point. Y'all saw God Part the sea. That's dope. I'm going to walk on the sea. Moses can lead you with his staff, put it down in the ground, and then be like, y'all hold up. God's about to do something. But what I'm going to do is go ahead and walk over whatever you're waiting on. And then as if to say as much, as if to say that I'm greater then this prophet this time of year celebrates. He then says, I'm here. What he literally says in the translation is, he says, I am. Which should take us back to Exodus 3. The early parts of Moses' journey. Where God, through a burning bush, appears to Moses. And Moses is like, hey, what's that bush? Who's in there? Identify yourself. Bush burning. And God simply says, I am. I am. And once again, as they see Jesus walking on water, identify yourself, ghost. He says, I am. Jesus is showing himself to his disciples to be greater than the celebrated prophet Moses. He's showing himself to be greater than the very elements that they are in the middle of a battle with. He's showing, themselves to be, he's showing himself to be greater than any act the human imagination can possibly come up with. Even after that wild miracle back there on that piece of land. Amen. Jesus is showing himself to be greater. Jesus will always show himself To be miraculous, Jesus will always show himself to be greater than whatever storm we're dealing with. And Jesus will always remind us that I've been doing this for a long time. There's this Moses way of thinking that we've got to get out of. And there's this Jesus way of thinking that we've got to pick up. A Moses way of thinking is waiting on God to part the sea in front of us. A Moses way of thinking is saying, I'm going to sit right here, cross my arms like my two-year-old that pouts too much. 
until God moves that big thing in front of me. But a Jesus way of thinking says, go ahead and get your butt on that boat because I told you to. And let me worry about the details. That's what we got to pick up. The way we get to where we dream of going is by trusting that still small voice that's already on the water in the middle of the storm. The way we get to where we dream of going is trusting that wherever Jesus is, whether I feel him near me or not, he's got a really good vantage point to see me from wherever he's at. We all have storms to navigate through. The truth for us this morning while we're dealing with it right here in the middle of it all is that there is a gracious, calm voice speaking to us in the middle of it all. And that gracious, calm voice is greater than the ways we expected to navigate. He's greater than the elements we are battling, and he is greater than anything we can make up in our own imagination. Look what happens next, verse 21. Verse 21 says, Then they were eager to let him in the boat. No kidding. And immediately they arrived at their destination. Now the danger of casual reading of scripture, you will miss this. Two things. They were eager. They said, who's that out there? They hear Jesus say, I am. The appropriate response was, well, get in. Quick. Hurry up. Not like, "Uh, prove it. Not like, oh, no, I'm a fisherman. I've seen a lot of weather. Weather tends to do this thing, and I don't know. I mean, there's like the, and it's stormy, and it's rocky, and we don't really got time to be looking over here, and I got to worry about how I'm going to make it to shore. So, I mean, get in if you want to, but, but, but we really got to focus on making, making it to shore. The appropriate answer from the people who knew him best on earth was, get in. Please get in here. And then it says, and again, the danger of casual reading is that you'll miss this. It says, immediately, they were on shore. No matter if you believe they were three or four miles in, so they were in the middle, or they were three or four miles, so they were wandering and still close to this shore over here. No matter what you believe about where they were on the sea, there is no way that by one person getting inside the boat, they should magically just arrive at the other side. Two miracles in one five-verse story. When the disciples rushed to get Jesus in their boat, they arrived instantly at their destination. When we receive Jesus into our boat willingly, we may be in the middle of it. It may seem like there is no way out. But when we receive Jesus into our lives, quickly, we have comfort in knowing that safety and security is near. Jesus brings safety and security. Safety and security is not found in our analysis. Safety and security is not found in us checking the weather report before we board a boat. 
Safety and security is not found in an Excel spreadsheet where you put together numbers and figure out what makes financial sense. Safety and security is found solely in Jesus Christ being in our boats. That's safety and security. Not that the other stuff's bad, but that's not safety and security. This is who Jesus is. Jesus. Jesus is ahead of us. Not the other way around. We're not like ahead of Jesus' timing. That's one of the phrases I think gets misused the most. I'm just waiting on God's timing. No, you're trying to figure out God's timing. Jesus is sitting there like, no, 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 shh, he's almost got it. Jesus is waiting on us. It's not the other way around. This is who Jesus is. Jesus is more than a prophet. He's more than a guy who can stick his staff in the ground and watch the sea part. He can walk over the sea. He's more than a guy that can help you pull some strings in the middle of the storm. He's a calm voice that can stop it entirely. He's more than a self-help book that can make you feel better for a second. Or a 60-minute worship service on a Sunday that makes you feel rejuvenated. He's somebody that goes with you throughout the week and makes sure that you see something coming and you know how to get over it because he's already gotten over it. And by the way, he's been doing this a really long time. The Bible tells us he was there at the creation of the earth. No matter what time period you believe that that happened or how long it took, the point is Jesus was there. You believe he's a few thousand years old or a few million years old? Honestly, I don't stinking care. The point is Jesus was there. You tell me the earth is, long, is, is older than we think it is, that's fine. That means Jesus has been doing this for longer than I think he's been doing it. That's fine. He was there when Moses was looking at a burning bush trying to figure it out. He was there when Moses was leading some slaves out of Egypt and it looked impossible because they were faced with a big old body of water that wouldn't want to move. He was there. He was there when nobody wanted to step up and face a giant. He was there when there was 400 years of silence and the people of God lost hope. He was there when the people were mourning because they thought they had lost Lazarus. And they were ticked off because Jesus wasn't around and how dare you not be here when your best friend dies. He was there. He was there on that cross when the entire world turned against him because every ounce of sin was upon him. He was there. He was there in that grave. For three whole days while the world mourned. And then he wasn't. Jesus was there. And Jesus alone, his journey alone, his power alone, his authority alone is enough for us to be comforted with all safety and security. 
Jesus alone is safety. Jesus alone is security. When I read this passage, I have to ask, who are we going to be? If this is who Jesus is, who are we as a church going to be? I'll tell you this. No matter what it is, we're going to trust that God is ahead of us. We're going to trust that if the answer is, well, let's wait and like wait for God to catch up with us, that that's the wrong answer. We're going to trust that God is already ahead of us. And after a whole lot of prayer and a whole lot of discerning and a whole lot of God waiting on me, I believe we've arrived at the shore, I, I believe we've arrived at the conclusion that God is calling us to unity in this particular property. This spring, Third Street Community Church and the Martin Center are going to merge. They're going to become one thing. Now, that might not shake a lot of you because a lot of you are like, I thought it already was one thing. And I get that. Honestly, some days I think that too. But it's not. But it's going to be. Both the Martin Center and Third Street separately have enormous opportunities in 2019. Enormous. I've already told you about Habitat. I have to wait to tell you about the other one. I know it's like when your parents like get you a present, they're like, this is your Christmas present, but you can't open it. Like, I know that's the way I feel too. I want to tell you really bad, but, you know, like government and stuff. But there are big opportunities this year. No offense, Nate, that government, con- I'm sorry, bro, I'm sorry, bro. City councilman, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But we believe that God is bringing the Martin Center and Third Street staffs together. We believe that bringing these staffs together will be mutually beneficial and create a staff and leadership structure that will be stronger together than we already were separately. But here's the thing. We need your prayer and support. Because if I'm going to keep it all the way real, there's a lot about this that doesn't make financial or business sense. What would make sense is for Third Street, a completely financially sustainable church, to leave this 100-year-old building alone. It would make sense for the Martin Center to keep on trucking with their budget the way it is and focus on their fundraising efforts the way they need to focus on it. But I don't believe that's what God's doing. I believe God is putting us together to create this big, white, hot, crazy epicenter that through its unity will see the light of Jesus explode immediately all across wards two and four in our city And I'm willing to bet because my God is bigger than wards two and four, beyond. That's what he's doing. But at the end of the day, according to the United States government, we got to make it work on paper. So, (laughs) we got to figure it out.
My question to you this morning is, what's your role? What's your role? A lot of stuff's coming up. We need a lot of people on board. Are you about to be there? Are you, we're going to go through a storm. 2019 is crazy. But God's calling us out to the water. Are you coming too? Even more personally than what's going on here at the church. Even more personally than that. In what area of your life is God calling you to get on a boat? In what area of your life are you maybe, maybe already on the boat? Maybe you're already in the middle of a storm. Do you need to hurry up and welcome Jesus into your boat? Is it about time you let Jesus get in the boat and you stop trying to steer the ship? I don't know. That's between you and the Holy Spirit. This is who Jesus is. And this truth gives us comfort and security, safety. This is who Jesus is. This is who we're going to be. Let's pray.